Well, um, I'm excited to be up here today. I'm always uh, honored to be able to speak to you. So many years ago, I was newly promoted to a supervisor position at my work. And I'd been a worker in that department on a different shift for a year, so I was really comfortable uh, with the area, had good knowledge of it. Um, And um, so they put me under this other manager to uh, teach me the ropes of how to run the area. And I was pretty immediately jealous of him that, well, because the funny thing is I was pretty... uh, cocky about myself, thought pretty highly of myself. So I thought, how's this guy? He's less talented than me. Uh, I see him making mistakes all the time. How does he have this position and I have this less position than him? And um, I watched what he did and had dreamed of my own theories of how I would run it better than him if if I was running the show. Um, So one day, um, he went ahead and let me run it on my own that day. And um, he showed me how. He, he told me what I needed to, the do's and don'ts I needed to uh, accomplish and everything. And um, I took it upon myself in this opportunity to do one of my theories that were on his don'ts list. So that was not too bright. And not only that, to add on top of that how not bright I was that day was I also saw this opportunity where his boss's boss's boss was over here near someone, and I went and talked to that person up out loud where he could hear me about my theory of how I'm running it. So guess what happened that afternoon? You guessed it. I got my manager had a talk with me because he got a phone call that he don't like. You don't like the phone call from people ranking three higher, uh, three ranks higher than you, ever in a job. It's telling you something is not right. So he uh, told him what I had done, what I had talked about, and what I, you know, what I was doing. So anyway, I got pretty much clearly told. Don't ever use that theory that you're trying to use. That's not how we do it. And uh, the funny thing was that assistant general manager was, well, and I'll say AGM from now on, but the AGM was the one that taught everyone the real theory that they were using. So for me to talk this theory against his, not even knowing it, didn't work out too well. So what is the one clear thing I was missing that day besides judgment and everything, but wisdom, wisdom. That is my no wisdom story. If you uh, look at the story of Nehemiah, to me, one of the glaring things is how much wisdom uh, he had. If you haven't been here, if this is your first week or you weren't here last week, um, we have started a, a series where we are uh, reading through the book of Nehemiah together, and each week we're gonna head, we're gonna do a chapter at a time. So right now we're starting in chapter two, and but that is the one thing I see clearly that Nehemiah had, and especially the wisdom in relationships. So if you could turn to chapter two, the first thing we're going to look at is how he interacted with the king. So we're going to learn from Nehemiah the wisdom for relationships with those in authority. Which is kind of addressing what I just talked about. So we'll start in verse 1 of chapter 2. 
So in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. So if we pause for a second, it's funny what you can see in one verse if you, if you slow down. If you pause and read, I had not been sad in his presence before. And the king noticed that. that so that shows you one thing. He, you know, Nehemiah had at least been a joyful person, right? Or selfless, not complaining or dramatic. And that is wisdom, especially when you're dealing with authority. It is wisdom to be selfless, to serve well, to not make everything dramatic. So when the time comes, we won't be the boy who cried wolf. Instead, we'll be understood and concerned for, which is what happened in this situation. The king was concerned. And you also see the king knows uh, Nehemiah's expressions. You know, and he is concerned for his feelings. And even though Nehemiah, he's a foreigner, okay, so Israel was captured by them. And he's sitting there serving a king that, you know, I mean, he was taken from his country to be there. And then he's serving the king, but he's still serving him well. And he's got a good relationship for him. So it's important for us to learn from that. How, how do we serve well? How do we be selfless and have wisdom? But the king isn't the only one Nehemiah uses wisdom with. He also uh, has relationship with his peers. If we could look at, um, pick up reading in verse 6. Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, how long will your journey take? And when will you get back? So the king is granted that he um, gets to go uh, rebuild the walls. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters? Oh, I'm sorry. And when you come back, he asked, it pleased the king to send me. So I set a time. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah? And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal bark, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted me a request. So again, um, whenever earlier he had, uh, the king had saw he was sad, Nehemiah told him, it's because my country, my, um, the city wall where of the country I was from was destroyed, and I want to rebuild it. And then in verse 12, it talks about when he t uh, set out on his journey. He said, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. And if we skip to 16, the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing because I had, as yet, I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. 
in verse 17. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in? Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. So I pulled a few verses out, little pieces so you could see it. But can you see uh, the wisdom in Nehemiah's approach? He doesn't appeal to the people that he's asking this kind of crazy request from and this hard work from. He doesn't appeal until he sought the king and got his permission. He's got the king ordering supplies, the king bringing protection. And he's also went and fully assessed the task he's got, the damage that's done. He does a full assessment of it himself and his own personal observation before he goes and tells them. And that just shows extreme patience. Especially when it's something we feel like God's laid on our heart. Have you ever had that? You really feel strongly about something on your heart and you're excited about it? Human nature says, tell everyone before I have any of the details, really. That's at least been my, my life. But wisdom says, slow down. And again, he shows wisdom needed for this working relationship with people that he's going to work with. And it's going to take a while to build a wall. And his approach was effective. But there is another group of people in the story. Uh-oh, got to see the people are awake. So anyway, there's the critics. We have critics. I just had to do that. So let's learn from Nehemiah the wisdom for how do we have relationship with critics. In verse 19, we get to see him. We get to meet him personally. But when Sanballat, the horror-onite... Tobiah, the Ammonite official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard about it. They mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you will have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. So how do we handle critics? You do it like, like that. He didn't, answer, he didn't answer their question. And you know who that reminds me of is Jesus. How many times Pharisees tried to trip him up and he never answered their question directly. He did it on his own terms. We don't give critics any room to get weapons against us or to do any damage to our cause. And Nehemiah shuts them down immediately. Wisdom shuts down nonsense, even if it seems abrupt. Sometimes it's kind of tough for us Christians. We think we're supposed to be a little softies or something. Or, you know, uh, the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is kindness, but it's not niceness. Okay? Niceness is not a fruit of the Spirit. Just trying to be nice. Kindness. Remember when the disciple Peter went to Jesus and says, I'm not going to let you go be crucified. I'm not going to let people kill you because I love you. And what did Jesus say to him? He said, get behind me, Satan. That's tough. That's pretty tough, especially to one of your friends. So especially if it's not your friend, this is real easier. But um, you don't 
give them time. You don't give them the room to mess around with your cause, especially when you know it's a God-given cause. And we also prepare for critics ahead of time because we know the truth. The truth is there will always be critics. There will. There will always be critics. Again, Nehemiah doesn't uh, give them room to discourage or discredit him. He is ahead of them. He has planned ahead. He's prayed to God, and he knows what to say. Have you ever felt like you were a step behind, though, a step behind the enemy? I sure have. I, I, uh, I felt that way because I was. But the thing is, we, we don't have to be behind the enemy because the truth is God's always many steps ahead of the enemy. So if we connect with God, we can, we can get that and have that ability to be a step ahead also. So the final thing we're going to learn from Nehemiah is the wisdom for relationships with God. In chapter 1, you know, if you look at it, you see Nehemiah has humbled himself and fasted and prayed because he knew God was the source of his life and, of course, his, his value, his wisdom, his help in time of need. We need to follow his example for a good relationship with God. And the way to do that is to connect with God. He is our source of life. We mostly get this connection through prayer. The people in the Bible that we admire have good prayer lives. Jesus taught us to have a good prayer life. And actually, there's a neat teaching we went through at the beginning of this year on uh, the Lord's Prayer and about your prayer life. And the, the apostles taught us the same. The thing is, God isn't measuring your prayer life. On a scale of 1 to 10, how good it is. Okay, so when you hear a good prayer life, sometimes that brings up an immediate, oh no, bad prayer life, you know. But the truth is, he's not trying to grade you. What he is trying to do is seek you. He's seeking your prayer life to enjoy you, to teach you, to grow you, to help you. Holy Spirit's our comforter, our helper. He is our wise counsel. He's our counselor. The truth is we can always be connected to God. According to Colossians, Christ is all and in all. Again, Marie talking about the sacred and the secular, us trying to divide everything up. My work life is different than my, no, God is with you always. He's, he's everywhere. And Christ in you is the hope of glory. And the hope of glory is the glory is revealing who God is to the world. Proverbs says, in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. That's in everything, keeping that acknowledgement of God and just keeping that open connection with him. In 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul says, pray continually or without ceasing. So how do you pray continually? Do you walk around like this and run into walls because I'm like, oh, No. You are just keeping an open line of your mental communication, your connection with God. 
We know God's with us in us. We're in him. And everywhere we go, all we need to do is connect our minds with his. And we're, we are praying. That's what Nehemiah does in chapter 2, verse 4. So the king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven. And I answered the king. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. We see him praying to God at the same time as talking to the king. Again, he didn't stop and say, pardon me, i got to go to my prayer closet and go home and then come back. He's, he's like, he was praying, he was connecting with God while he was talking in his thoughts. That's how you pray continually. That's how you connect with that wisdom of God. And again, we, we, we have to note, it's good to note that Nehemiah had already had some focused time with God where it was some more focused alone prayer time with prayer and fasting. That cannot be underestimated. That time's important to get that clear thought, especially when you know you're going into a place where you're anxious and sad. And he was to help fight that anxiety. So wherever you and I are on our journey with God, let us resolve to learn from Nehemiah. In our, and grow in our relationship with God. Especially in our prayer life. Remember, it's not finger pointing of shame. It's an invitation to God's loving arms into a deeper relationship. So earlier I talked about one of my moments as that supervisor at work. Um, when I had been in that position about 10 months... I noticed a couple of people that got promoted to supervisor at the same time as me getting promoted to manager, and I was not yet. So that bothered me. So I prayed. I prayed about that promotion. God, I would like that promotion, please. Um, and can you show me why? And that's the connection with God for that wisdom. And he showed me. He started showing me some stuff. One thing he showed me was, of course, about my little theories and, uh, and my relationship with my uh, manager that he had told me, Vince, if you, all I really want, okay, you're going to have some different tasks every day that I'm going to give you. And sometimes I'm going to let you run the area. But if you get these two things done every day, we're good. I just need you to get these two things done. Well, a lot of times I try to do all kinds of extra things other than those two things to make myself look real good. Look how good Vince was. He did this and this and this. But I didn't do these two things that he simply asked me to do a lot of times. And those would slip. And that was not, that was not wise. That was not obedient. That wouldn't be a good, not being a good uh, servant and serving correctly. I wasn't serving well. Well, when God shows you stuff like this, you have a choice. I had a choice. You know, you, you can either choose to do it your way you've been doing it, or you can change your attitude. Well, I changed my attitude. So I started immediately, number one, again, I started walking in this pray continually. I want to get promoted at my work, and I want to pay attention to how I'm living this out. And the other thing is I'm going to serve well, unlike I have been for 10 months. 
So I started doing that. I started doing the two things he said for sure every day. And then uh, a couple weeks later, he said he was going to let me run the area for a week all by myself. He mentioned that we need to get done every day and that we need to have good housekeeping because we are surely going to be inspected sometime. Well, so some of my obedience is good in wisdom, but I still started to fail at this because that instruction seems pretty clear. So the first couple of days, I ran it really tight. I ran it tighter than he does, and I was running better case per hour. So again, I'm patting myself on the back. I'm running better cases per hour than my boss usually does and stuff. And on day three, he calls me uh, in the morning and says, come over to the A module. Uh, the assistant general manager and general manager are there waiting for us, and we're going to walk. This is that housekeeping inspection he told me about that I didn't heed. So we start walking, and it is glaring. I mean, there are things out of place everywhere that I have not walked and checked on because I was so busy trying to run this tight ship. Well, at least I had one thing. I had integrity, so I spoke loudly to the general manager and AGM and said, uh, this is my fault. My manager trusted me. I'm running it this week. And, um, you know, uh, he told me to work on housekeeping. I did not, you know. And so I, I said that stuff, and that was good, Vince. I mean, you know, that's at least I'm doing one thing right. And then the, the AGM there says, he said, Vince, that may be true, and that's good that you said that, but do you think that we're not going to hold him accountable for the area he is responsible for, regardless of what he trusted you with? And that hit me like a ton of bricks. That was my next wisdom lesson that God gave me. It gave me a different perspective of my manager and my theories of how bad he was at managing and how good I probably would be to replace him. So I prayed more, and um, I knew I'm going to obey even better and listen better from now on. And I did. <clears throat> and then a few weeks, just a few weeks later, I'm, I'm running the area again. He lets me run it for another week, and I'm doing this one better. And one of the guys, one of the workers, comes up to me in a module. I went over there to check on him. He comes over to me, and he starts telling me, how great I am and how he's like, man, you're way better than our manager. You know, you're way better than him. And he's saying all this nice stuff to me about how awesome I am and um, how I run it better. Finally, someone noticed, right? <laughs> That's what I always wanted before. That's what my ideas was. Wow. But since I've been praying about this promotion and staying connected with God, I could hear that still small voice, and it was very small. It was a sense of you could, you could brush it right off of you and not hear it, but I heard it. And God's like, does this line up with what we've been doing? You know, does, and I'm like, no, it does not. So I spoke back to that guy. And God gave me wisdom and humility. And I spoke, and I said, you guys don't understand that me and the manager, we're different. We are going to run things different. And you can like him. And one person's, you can like me more and how I run it. And someone else is going to like it more how he runs it. But 
he's going to do it different than me because he's responsible for it. And that was my lesson I learned from God. And that was it. So what I didn't know was how God was very kind in that moment when he had just landed on me the thought of, of speaking correctly, how my manager was the level right above me in that module, and he heard me. He heard me defending him and saying, not accepting that flattery for what it was. It's flattery. That guy is trying to kiss up to me to divide us so he can play, you know, parents against each other kind of thing. That's what he was trying to do. He didn't think I was awesome. He thought he could flatter me. And at a time before that, he could have. And you know what? It was only a few weeks later that the AGM and GM had been asked, do you think he's had asked my manager, is Vince ready for promotion? And he said, yes, he is. And do you know why? <laughs> What if, my, what if my response to that flattery had been different? How would that have gone? Nope, Vince isn't. He doesn't have the character needed. God wants you and I to have this on every situation of our lives. He wants us to walk with his counsel in all relationships. The Bible says, if any of you lacks wisdom, in James it says that, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. It also comes with a warning of mean it, believe it, believe that he will give because he will. So I call on us, use the wisdom God's given to you. Let's use the wisdom he's given, that he's given available. Ask, if, he, if you don't feel wise, pray for it. He will give you wisdom and he'll grow you in it. Eventually, you can be like Nehemiah. He doesn't look like he's straining at it. He's pretty quick on doing relationships well. But it requires patience slowing down, and it requires truth. Truth is the door to wisdom. But we can live a life flowing with wisdom, abiding with God. God will provide wisdom and answers in favor for those in authority and our peers and our critics. So let's slow down and walk in wisdom. <laughs>